And take your Bibles and turn. We're going to be in John's writings tonight. We'll start in the Gospel, chapter 8. And we're going to look at verse 42, and then we'll be in 1 John after that. The technical name for it is a polygraph test. It's more commonly and most, more popularly known as a lie detector test. If you've ever seen, it's evolved over the years, but if you ever see someone hooked up to the machine... There's usually a needle going and it's measuring all kinds of different things. One of the things they measure when they're detecting to see if you're lying about the questions they're asking you is they check your blood pressure. If it goes up, they check your pulse to see if it rises. Um, they check your respiration to see how rapid you're breathing. And they also do something called skin conductivity, which I'm guessing that they say, uh, I read up on a little bit that um, if you're lying, then you put off more electricity through your skin and they're able to measure it somehow. I, I don't understand all that, but they can. But when you're hooked up to the machine, they're able to do that. All of those together, not one alone or isolated, but all of those factors together um, give them an idea of whether you're telling the truth or you're lying. They say that a lie detector test is about 90% accurate. So if you ever have to take one, you better know that you're saying the truth. But that doesn't even hold a candle, accuracy-wise, to what Wonder Woman can do. <laughs> Wonder Woman has the golden lasso of truth. If you've ever seen her, and she puts that thing around you, and you are compelled 100% of the time to tell her the truth. I am thinking about purchasing one of those. I wish I would have had that when I was a parent on my kids. That would have been fantastic. They would have put that out. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> they would have told me right off the bat I would never have to do anything, right? But we all have um, to uh, be able to face the truth and whether we're lying or not, that's part of uh, our life as a Christian in particular. The question would be, could you pass a lie detector test? That's the question, isn't it? Now let me tell you this. Not only in uh, earthly things, but what about spiritual things? I, I have said this. First uh, John... The book of 1 John is God's lie detector test. Um, it is a series of tests to see whether you are really in the faith or not. Um, and really, when you look at it, um, 1 John is filled with verses about liars. Now, I'm going to say it probably more than once, but I'm going to stop and say it here. One of the scariest verses in John, 1 John is chapter 2 and verse 19. There's only two verses away from Phil's. And it says, they went out from us because they were not of us. In other words, the liars he's describing in that context and throughout all of 1 John at one point were members of the church. And it's not like today where if you're a member of the church and you don't like it, what's going on, you can go down the road and you find another church. Well, you know, there was only one church in town as the fledgling Christianity movement is, is, is spreading so you, you, that was it. You, when you left the church back in those days and you went, you didn't go somewhere else. You didn't go. You stopped going because you had changed your mind about Christianity. So when they say, um, not 21st century, but 1st century, when they say they went out from us, it wasn't like, hey, they just found another place to worship. No, they went out from us because um, they weren't of us anymore. They weren't of the same mindset. They weren't of the same beliefs and certainly behavior and so it's a scary thing. So when, I want you to know that because when we talk about the liars in 1 John 
these were people who were former members, people who were in the church, people that they knew you by name, and they no longer stayed with them, and there's a reason for that. We're going to get to that. Liar, the word liar is used um, five times um, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 10, 2, 4, 22, 4, 20, 5, 10. Five times. Um, there's two types of liars in those verses. You can make God a liar by the way that you live or talk, or you are the liar, all right? And we're going to look at those tonight a little bit. The word lie itself is also mentioned in there. If you say something and you don't do something, it, you're a liar. It means you lie. Chapter 1, verse 6, 2, 21, and 27. So a total of eight times, liar, liar. That's in a five-chapter book um, with only 104 verses. Um, that's quite a bit. And to throw it on top of it, icing on the cake, deceive. The word deceive is also used twice in 2.26 and 3.7. So the topic of lying, deception, being a liar is used a total of 10 times in 1 John. And I say that to get you to think this. It's a problem. It's a problem. Um, it's not just lying in generically, but we're talking here about false teachers. We're talking about people who were in the church and used to be orthodox and you're going to find that they're called this. The liars have stopped believing Jesus is the Christ, and the term used for them are antichrists. So we know the antichrist is a future person in the tribulation period, all that. But in, in the first century, they were antichrist-like people. In other words, they were anti-Jesus being truly part of the Godhead. They were denying who he was and, and what he had done. And so there were all kinds of lies, and the lies were huge lies. They were doctrinal lies. And we're going to see tonight they lied with their life and they lied with their lips. Uh, they did both of them. So it was a dangerous thing to be a liar. And that's why if you get to the end of the Bible in Revelation, you'll find that in uh, the catalog which describes uh, where those who are without Christ spend eternity amongst all the famous categories of drunkards and sorcerers and fornicators, among that list of eight things is liars. And why? Why does God hate it? Why in Proverbs 6, 16, and 17 does God say um, there are seven things that are an abomination to him? And one of them, actually two, depending on how you read it, but two of them are about lying. Because God hates it because he is a God of truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So to deny things about Jesus, about the truth he said, about how you should live your lives, is an incredibly serious thing. There are liars all the way through the Bible. Um, tell me a liar, Old or New Testament. Who's a famous, notorious liar? Who, say, raise your hand, let me get you on a time. Yeah. Jacob. Jacob was a liar. He schemed. He fooled his dad. He lied about who he was when he dressed up like his brother Esau, right? What's another one? David. 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 What, was, what was the lie David did? I think, I'm trying to think of what it was, too. I thought you had a really particular one in mind. Someone else. What's another, who's another liar? Yes. Peter. Peter, yeah, right? Peter denied Jesus. He's a triple liar, right? Right? Triple liar. Didn't he? Uh, Doreen. Gehazi lied. Yeah, he told his master. Oh, I don't, what do you mean I've gone somewhere? I haven't gone anywhere else, right? He took all the stuff. Yeah. Ananias and Sapphira, classic liars together, conspiracy, the, the husband-wife duo liar. Yes? Yeah, I, I, I have that one down too. I agree with that. He said that he did everything God asked him to do, 
and he left Agag and, and, and the animals. Yeah, he, he lied, definitely. That was, the in part, that was the minimalization of truth right there, right? Yes. Judas, I mean, the infamous liar. The infamous liar, all right? Yeah, there's a lot of liars, and I think you got everyone I put down. I, Samson lied. Remember when he told Deliah, if you do this to me, it'll take away my strength? Lie. And lying got him in trouble. Okay, we, we haven't said, who is the biggest liar of all liars? Yes, thank you. That's why we're in John 8. Would you look at the text? We got to get this down because I want you to see there's a tie-in. The biggest liar. You got to figure, you got to see why it's true because I'm going to tell you a secret and then I'm going to unpack it. When you read 1 John, in my opinion, it is the epistle or the letter, the New Testament document that is more filled with influence of Jesus personally than any other book in the Bible. You're gonna, when you read 1 John, you're going to find a disciple of his rabbi, John followed Jesus, and there is not one book of the Bible, in my opinion, that is not more from the words, exact wording of Jesus and the things that he said and taught than 1 John. So I think it has a real special place in the canon. But let me tell you about the original liar here. 40, 42, Jesus said to them, now this is Jesus, if you go back early in the text, watch this. He's talking to the Pharisees. You can see that back over there early, way earlier in the text. Okay, watch, because Jesus has the strongest words for liars, listen to this, who are religious, not rebellious. There are rebellious liars in the Bible, but most of them, or a lot of them, especially in Jesus' day, were religious liars. So the biggest dangers and the biggest warnings in the New Testament are not for people who are just living rebellious lives and disobedience to God. Although that's a problem, obviously. But the ones are the religious ones who are deceiving themselves, thinking that they're not liars, but they are. In fact, it's going to take them to eternal life without God. That's how serious it is. Look what Jesus says to them. If God were your father, and now this whole debate, let me put it in context, is about origins. It's about who is your father, spiritually or physically, depending if you're the Pharisees. The Pharisees want to say their argument is Abraham is their father and ultimately God is their father. Jesus is going to use throughout this argument that God is his father and they are big fat liars. All right? So we'll see what he says. If God were your father, now notice, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? Cross-reference this with the last verses in this chapter, and you'll see how important that is. Because you cannot bear to hear my word. No, you can't. Now, I know Jesus is meek and mild and so forth, but not all the time. This is about as strong as you could say something to someone. You are of your father, the devil. <laughs> I bet that went over like a ton of bricks. So he said, you, they think they're, that Abraham and God is their father. And he said, you couldn't be more... Now, again, Pharisees are the people everyone respected, looked up to. They were the most spiritual people. Everyone thought they were the greatest, closest to God. And he says, at least minimally to this group of Pharisees, 
You're not of God. You're not of Abraham at all. You are of the devil. Keep that in mind when we get to 1 John. You are of your father, the devil. Now, now get this, ready? How do you know who your birth father is? Because you have birthmarks. What is a birthmark? Well, and your will is to do your father's desire. So you get the connection. How do you know if you are of the devil, you are born of the devil? Will you do what the devil wants to be done? His desires are yours desires. That's how you know, right? So if you have devil desires, you are not born of God. This is why I can tell you I have free permission to say this. My son Lance was of the devil for a long time. And I told him so. I said, he asked me many times, Dad, do you think I'm saved? I go, absolutely not. Why? Because you, you have devil desires. You don't have God's desires. You don't want God's word. You're not into it. You don't pray. You don't seek his face. You don't want to live a holy life. You don't want to live in obedience to authority. You're not interested in church. How would you ever be born of God? You can't be. And so here's what he says. You've got to get this right. If you are born of God, you will have God's desires. You will live that way. Right? That's what he says to the Pharisees, and you don't. Now, and he's going to get very explicit. Watch. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. Now keep this in mind, because John's going to say this in his epistle. Because there is no truth in him. And, and he, Jesus is going to say, Satan was a murderer, right? So let's put Satan up to the lie detector machine, hook him up, and here's what he says. Liar. The, when Satan hooked, the graphs are going like this when Satan's on it. Because that's all he does is lie. How, now watch. How do you know he lies? Because he does lying things. He murders people. Kills people. And I don't mean himself. But he does things to have people murdered. We're going to see that again. So keep that as a pattern between John and 1 John. Same author. And, and Jesus says, because there's, when he lies, he speaks out of his own character. For, now watch. For he is a liar and the father of it. See the father analogy? He's the originator. He's the ultimate original archetype liar. He's the first one, the biggest one, and the worst one ever. And when you lie like him and you say, you say this, but you do this, or you act this way, talk this way, hold these beliefs, have this behavior... You prove that you're his offspring. And the Pharisees proved it. And that would have shocked everyone. Here's why. Because what they were in front of everyone externally was not who they really were. They were a whole other ball of wax in private. And so here's what he says. Your father is of the devil. And so the lie detector of the devil, 100%, there's no truth in him. He shows it up in his murderous desires. In his life. You remember, and this is dating myself, game show to tell the truth. They used to have an old game show way back in the day. I think it was black and white at the beginning. But they were basically a panel of lie detectors. Celebrities uh, panel, three people would come on the stage and they had, supposedly there was this unbelievably unique occupation that one of them, of the, of the uh, people on you know, the panel, not on the panel, but the three people who came in, contestants on the stage and they did something really weird and you had to ask questions because two of them were lying and one of you know they were two imposters but only one was telling the truth and the whole show was to see if they could figure out who the imposter was who was telling the truth it's a lie detector show now now when i was 
1985, I was a youth pastor while I was going through seminary. That's where I met Pastor Steve. And the guy was a big-time banker in my church, Kevin Kuntz. And he gave me this. These are four $1 bills that are still together, never been separated, because these are counterfeit. And he told me, I did a lesson one time on counterfeit stuff, and he came up and said, hey, I wanted to give this to you, and all these years later, I still have it. And he said, this is a counterfeit. Now, this is a real $1 bill. You can come up after church and try to figure it out, because we looked on the internet today in the office, and we held these up. Now, one of them, they feel a little different. Now, again, 1985, 2013, so things have changed on the dollar bills over time. But you look at this. I mean, you, it is almost impossible to tell the difference. I mean, maybe the weight of this is a little bit more than this, but it could be because of how old it is. I don't know all the details. But you look at this and you think, these are real, just like this one is. But they're not. And you know what, you know what's true about counterfeit anything? Is it looks so real. Have you ever seen those people in New York City? I think it's a joke on some movies. You come up, you want to watch? I got Rolex. So they go like this. You seen that? And, oh, Rolex. You could have a Rolex for $29.99. If, oh, I wish that was true, right? Maybe $2,999 or $29,000. I don't know. But you're not getting a Rolex for 20 But it says Rolex on the watch. It looks the same. It's all the same. But, you know, most people I've said who bought it for $29.99, it was dead by the time they got home. You know why? Because it's not a Rolex. Have you ever been to the supermarket and you're looking for Fruit Loops, but they have fruit rings? <laughs> cocoa Pebbles is Cocoa Nuggets. And then they have all this crazy stuff. And then they have Mountain Dew, which really offends me. They have Mountain Shoutin'. <laughs> they have Mountain Hollow. And they have all these mountain sodas. And you talk to Pastor Steve tonight because he drinks counterfeit Mountain Dew all the time. And it's a shame, really, but I've tried to spull that demon out of him, but it doesn't help. But counterfeit stuff, I mean, it's really everywhere. And whether it's soda, cereal, perfume, it's, it's out there. It's out there. And, and, and in John's writings, if you'll turn over to First John now, he's going to talk about two, I'm going to categorize it in two ways, liars in 1 John. Remember, the lie detector test questions are this. Are you really a child of God? When you read 1 John, the lie detector test, you're strapped up to a biblical lie detector machine. It's called the truth of Jesus. And the question you're going to have to answer under the lie detector machine is, are you really a child of God? You flip that question over on the other side. Another way to say it would be, is God really your father? That's from John 8. So here's what he says. Now, I want to let you see some of these verses. 1 John 1, 6. And there's a, brack, a paragraph that has the same pattern. And I want to show you both of them before we look at some other verses in chapter 3. Okay? So if you're writing this down, there's this, this block of verses in chapter 1 followed by a very similar way to say it in block chapter 2. And there are three times in both passages because I think they're supposed to spur you on to think how similar they are. And the first one is chapter 1, 6, 8, and 10, and then 2, 4, 7, and 9, I think. So let me read them for you. And they begin with similar things. The first, chapter 1, says, if we say. Chapter 2 says, we say. Let me show you what I mean. Chapter 1, verse 6 says, if we say, 
In other words, here's our words. If we say we have fellowship with him, I know God, we're in fellowship with each other, we have a relationship, I'm a Christian, however you want to say it. If we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, in other words, if my words are words of light, but my walk is a walk of darkness, what does that make me? It says, and we walk in darkness, we lie, circle it. We lie and do not practice. Key word in 1 John, practice the truth. It's not that we still don't sin or we still don't have problems, but it's the practice. It's what I'm consistently and patternly like. So he says, if you say that you walk with God, but you walk in darkness, you can't because God is light. And in him is no darkness of all. Right before this. So you can't have a lifestyle of darkness and claim to know the light. Same thing, verse 8. If we say, see it again? Circle it. If we say we have no sin, there's a, and we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So here's another. We lie to ourselves if we think that sin isn't an issue. If we think that sin is not an issue in our lives, we're self-deceived. And remember what I told you about John? What did he say about the devil? Jesus said in John 8 that, what? He's a liar because, and he's a murderer because there is no truth in him. Verse 8 says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. That's a direct quote from Jesus. Verse 10, third time, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is, his word is again, his word is not in us. His truth is not in us. Is his word, they are swappable. It's not in us. Now notice, he's going to do the same thing. Chapter 2 and verse 4. And this time, a little different. Whoever says, see? Not if we say, but whoever says. So again, it, this is the whole thing. You know what liars are? People who say one thing and do another as a pattern, a consistent pattern in their lives. Chapter 2, verse 4. Whoever says, I know him. Okay? I'm a Christian. I'm saved. I have a relationship with God. I know him, but does not keep his commandments. If, if I say I know God but I disobey his word all the time, what does it make me? A liar, he says. And the truth is not in him. He keeps saying it. See, liars don't have truth in it. Well, how do you know if someone's a liar and they don't have any truth in them? Watch how they live. Watch how they live. Chapter 2 and verse 6. Second time. Whoever says he abides in him, in other words, remains in him, has a relationship with him, consistently abiding in him. And the word is ought. Now, this is not like your parents telling you when you're growing up, you ought to brush your teeth three times a day. You ought to cover your mouth when you're coughing. Those are nice, polite things. This is not a polite ought. This is a principled ought. This is an ought that you have to do. This is how it must be. So listen to this. He says, Whoever says he abides in him must walk in the same way in which he walked. So hear me tell you, if you say you know Jesus, but you don't live like Jesus, it's a lie. You're a liar. 
you're a liar. Thus, can I have a little commercial here? This is why, in my opinion, that the number one thing you should read, if you can every day, is part of a gospel. Every day. Because you can't know any more about how to walk like Jesus until you read about him. I mean, the Old Testament is great. The New Testament is great. They're all inspired. They're all of equal value in that sense. But Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in my opinion, ought to be the most read thing we have in our lives. It'll tell you how Jesus is. And if you want to look at him, an imperfect version of Jesus, the best one there is, and that's why you read Paul's writings. But it's all about walking as he walked. Now watch. Not talking as he talked. Walking as he walked. Ask yourself this question. Do you do any of the things that he did? I mean, look at his life. What was he known by? What was he known for? Do you do any of the things that he did? Good question to ask yourself under the lie detector test, right? Two types of liars. There are vertical liars and there are horizontal liars. We've seen them both already. Vertical liars are saying, hey, between me and God, I don't sin. I don't have a problem. I know him. I keep, you know, you know and later on we'll see, I love him. So vertical liars are people who say all these things, and between them and God, they don't think anything's wrong, and they'd be really dece- deceived. And a lot of times they're wrong and off vertically because they're off horizontally. That's why the emphasis is what you say has to match what you do, what you practice, abiding, walking. All those terms are all throughout First John. You know why? Because here's what he says. If the vertical doesn't match the horizontal, if what you say doesn't match what you do, here's the conclusion you might need to come to, that you are a liar. A liar, he says. So here are the two tests. And if I have you turn as we close to chapter 3, we're going to end there. First John 3, two case studies to show you what a liar looks like and what a not-liar looks like, if that's a word. I call these, there's two tests, the lie test. They are the love test and the life test. Your life test is how you live your life every day before God. The love test is how you live your day every day before people. Now, the first one, if you look at chapter 3 and verse number 10, it says, by this it is evident In other words, it's obvious, it's plain, it's clear. So you want to know whose family you really are. You want to know who your father is. You want to know if you're a Christian really or not. You want to know if you're a liar or not. It's evident. Who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil? Now let me tell you this. Jesus is the gospel person who says and calls his his disciples children. He's the only person in the New Testament outside of John who says little children. He says it in John chapter 13. He's the only one that says constantly love, your, love one another. That's Jesus talking. And all you find throughout 1 John is all these references, and I have them all written down here. 1 John 3, 11, 23, 4, 7, 11, 12, 2 John 1, 5. Those are all little children references, or love one another references. And then he's got a whole slew of little children references. Seven times he calls the readers in 1 John little children. Where did he get all these phrases? He talks about the devil seven times in the book of 1 John. He calls him the devil. He calls him the evil one. Why does he talk? You know why? Because he got all this from Jesus. These are directly things that Jesus taught him. 
about how the devil's a liar and you better look for liars and you better not be a liar yourself because you're little children and he loves you and what he's done for you. And so there's the life test in verse 10. Watch. He says, how do you know the difference between the children of God and the children of the devil? Whoever does not practice righteousness, practice it, is not of God. Nor is the one who does not love his brother. So vertically, if you don't practice righteousness, and horizontally, you don't love your brother, the only conclusion you can come, if that's true of your life consistently, is that you're a liar. Verse 11 says, For this is the message that you've heard from the beginning, that we should want, love one another. I think it's the, not the beginning of Genesis, the beginning of ministry with Jesus. He kept saying from the very beginning, love one another. Now here's the test case. We should not be like Cain. Remember what we said in John 8? What was the John's case? How did we know that the devil is the worst liar? Well, he expressed it by being a murderer. What about Cain? Cain, don't be like him. He was of the evil one. He's of Satan. How do we know? Because he murdered his brother. Why? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. So what did he just say two verses ago? Here's how you can know you're of the devil or of God. If you don't practice righteousness, Cain didn't have his brother's righteousness. How did you know it? Because he hated righteous things. He didn't have desires for it. In fact, if it didn't suit him, he killed his brother. He showed it. Now, those are extreme cases, murder. But we know Jesus says that if you hate your brother in your heart, it's, it, to him, it's like murder itself. But he goes on to say, because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Don't be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. In other words, here's what Jesus says. You should be hated by people outside the church, but when you're hated by your own brothers and sisters in Christ inside the church, that should surprise you. Because that's not a true Christian, he says. How important is it? It's a matter of life and death that we get this down. We know that we have passed out of death into life. How? Because we have orthodox doctrine. No, because we said a prayer when we were seven. No. How do you know that you pass from death into life? You love the brethren. Because you have loved God and love others, he says. Whoever does not love abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. See, hating, where did he get hating and murder being synonymous? He got that from Jesus. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding him. So you're hating people. You don't like them. You're upset. You're angry. And you're not resolved. Here's what he says. There's no eternal life in that. Now watch the next paragraph. And I have two minutes. Case study number two. Cain is the murderer, does the devil stuff. He's lost. He's not having eternal life. And then you have Jesus. He is the case study for the opposite look. Notice what Cain does. When he is of the devil, he murders people. Jesus is of God, and the Father is God. What does he do? Verse 16. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. Cain murders people. Jesus is murdered by people. Cain takes people's lives. Jesus gives his life. He lays it down. Now, isn't that great? Cain and Jesus are as completely opposite as you can because Cain was a liar, Jesus was of the truth. Cain was of the devil, Jesus was of God. Cain was not passed out of death to life, Jesus is life itself. I mean, the, the contrasts are all throughout these two paragraphs, but it's more than that because, listen to me, 
If you're not like that, there's trouble because here's what Jesus says. I mean, John says, listen to it. He says, and so, see the word ought again? And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. So you need to be patterning your life after Jesus's way, his desires, not hating people, not having desires of bad things toward them, but loving them, be willing to sacrifice for them, to have a we mentality over a me mentality. See, he says, lay it down, lay your life down, prefer others above yourself, he says. How do you do that? Last thing, chapter three, our chapter, verses 17, 19, 20, and 21. Those four verses, one paragraph, the only time in 1 John he talks about your heart. And that's the difference between a liar and someone who's truly a Christian is they have a different heart. If you are connected to God's lie detector machine and he's trying to, you're trying to figure out if you're really a Christian or not, you know what it's connected to? Not your breathing, not your pulse, not your blood pressure. It's connected to your heart. God connects his truth to your heart and here's what he says. I want to know what you're really like. And you know what the test of it is? Look at the next few verses and I'll be done. He says... By this shall we know that we are the truth and reassure our hearts before... Oh, let me go back. I missed it. Verse 17. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? You know what the test is? If you see someone in church or we're out as in need and you don't do anything but you could, he says there's something wrong, deeply wrong in your heart, he says. You closed it. He closes his heart. True people... Not liars. True people have open hearts to others. But when you close your heart off to people, that's what liars do. That's what Cain did to Abel, and he ended up killing him. That's what Satan wanted to do. And that's why Jesus told the Pharisees, you are seeking to kill me because you have your father. They closed their heart off to Jesus. And that's what happens in our lives if we're not careful. Little children, let us not love in word or deed, talk, but in deed and in truth. So let me read off these last applications that you can go home and meditate on. Ask yourself these lie detector questions. Who have you served and met the needs of intentionally this week? Let me ask an be- even deeper one. Do you know of anybody who even has needs? Do you even find yourself looking or caring about it? Number two, does what you say you believe, does it match the way that you behave this week? All the things you say about God, did it come out in the way you treated people? Number three, and I hope you know what I mean by this after what we said tonight. Have you murdered anybody lately? Number four, are you living a lie or the truth? Number five, are you confident or condemned in your heart? Jesus says, if you live the way I do, and you love people, then it, it gives you confidence before him. But if it not, it condemns you. But God says, if you really know me, then I'm going to work in you so your heart doesn't ultimately condemn you because I'm going to keep changing you. And lastly, keep in mind that God's, Jesus' harsh, most harsh words were not for rebellious liars, but religious ones. Let's close in prayer. Father, help us. Strong words from our master. Father, we in an age were surrounded by lies, the lies of the health and wealth gospel, of a perverted, rebellious sensuality. 
We have cultural lies around us all over. They abound in so many areas, in so many ways. Let us be people of the truth. Let us, as the proverb says, buy the truth and sell it not. Father, help us not to be people who just read it and memorize it and study it and know it, but do it and practice it and live it and abide in it. That our words and our walk might match. That people might know that we are of the truth that you, God, might be glorified as you deserve. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.